the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Hear the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Now we've considered this text for three weeks. We are certainly aware of the backdrop that this hope-filled text comes in. There was darkness, there was sorrow, there was mourning. But with this child foretold in this text, there's light and hope and joy. And typically, Christmas time would bring such things. It would bring joy and happiness and presence and family gatherings. This hasn't been our typical year, nor is it our typical Christmas. And for many, the joys of Christmas are often overshadowed by the pain of loss. It can be a reminder of sadness that comes with the memories of those loved ones who have left us. So I know for many this Christmas, it can be doubly challenging. Yet, perhaps as we have learned to slow down in this year, we need to slow down again as we consider the hope that we have in this one who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This one who has come in a child born in the city of David many, many years ago is one who brings us great hope and help, especially in a season such as this. And so today, we want to consider in particular Everlasting Father, Everlasting Father. Now, how could one who is called a child and a son, and we know who this is, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, how could he be called also Father? So we're going to consider that. But first, we want to begin and consider that he is everlasting, everlasting. 
Now, perhaps the significance of this word may not capture our hearts like it would have those early Israelites when they heard Isaiah issue forth this prophecy from the Lord. As wonderful counselor and mighty God, we have seen that this child is a kingly figure, that he is one who rules and he rules well, that he is one who understands and does rightly and knowingly and wisely. He would remind them perhaps of mighty David and wise Solomon, and yet he was far beyond what they ever dared to dream that they could be. This one is much greater than David and Solomon, much stronger than David and wiser than Solomon. This king that would come is also everlasting father. The safety of a king that it provided, the king would provide, the security of a king uh, that it would provide for, a king would provide for the people, and even the strength the king produced in a nation would fade away with the kings at their death. Not only by their deaths, but also the darkness that would wage in their hearts. We see that David is considered a man after God's own heart, but yet David is also one who was an adulterer and murderer. David was no one to, to look at, and uh, to consider in the sense of finding your hope in him. But David pointed on beyond himself to his greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But as the kings were put into power, they would also die and that power would be gone. And it's so in our own nation that we understand there are those who, when elected, become the most powerful person on earth. We understand that the United States is a very powerful nation, but our presidents will die. Our presidents will not last forever. But there is one who is called everlasting. There was an enemy that great David and the mightiest of armies could never defeat, and that enemy is death. It's an enemy that even the greatest of countries will never defeat. No matter what we try, no matter what vaccine is given, we will not defeat this, death. But this one, who is everlasting father, with his birth, he would break into this fallen world and he would give life in order to defeat death. In fact, he would give his own life in order to defeat death. He proved his victory with the resurrection. He is everlasting. He would be the one who would proclaim to that grieving sister, I am the resurrection and the life. He would be the one to proclaim in Revelation, fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the key to death and Hades. And so he is everlasting. That's why he's able to say, fear not, fear not, I'm alive. And what hope it brings to us to know that our king is alive. What hope it brings to us to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, this child that was given, though he died, he was also raised. 
And though we celebrate perhaps his birth, we must also celebrate his death and we must also celebrate his resurrection and we must also celebrate his ascension to the right hand of God and to celebrate that he is coming again. He is alive and there's hope for he is everlasting. And those who put their faith in him find life and find it eternally, not just a good life here on earth, Because most of the time we fall short and we allow ourselves to consider what a good life would be. Well, this time of the year, we might think we have our family together. We have a lot of presents under the tree. That's a good life. No friends, an eternal life is a good life. Knowing that we will live beyond death, knowing that we will live tomorrow, knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, knowing that there is a time coming when death will be no more. That is a good life. Understanding him, knowing him, knowing the one who is everlasting. But also notice here, he is everlasting father. Now this is perhaps a bit perplexing because we know that Jesus is fully God, that God is one, But the one God is three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. God does not exist as Father at one point and then as Son. That's actually a heresy called modalism. There's your $5 word you can use. The Father did not give his life on the cross, but he did send his Son. And the Son gave his life on the cross in order to save sinners. Now the three persons of the triune God We understand, as it's been said, each person possesses the one whole, undivided, divine essence without any remainder. And now simply put today, there is a mystery. There is a mystery. How can God be one, but also three? It is a mystery. And we're okay admitting that there is a bit of mystery to the faith that we possess If you do not fully understand the Trinity, let me say this, that is the God that you want. You do not need a God that you can fully comprehend. You do not need a God that you can put in a box. You do not need a God that you can understand. You do not need a God like that. You need a God that is beyond your belief. You need a God that that makes you say, oh Lord, help me in my unbelief. You need a God who is bigger than you, bigger than what your mind, as smart as you may be, bigger than what you could ever imagine, that you could read the scriptures from cover to cover over and over again, and yet still not fully grasp who God is. And friends, that's our God. He is everlasting Father. This is the one who is everlasting Father. And what is this understanding of Father? I'm hoping to help us to, to grasp a little bit about what Isaiah could mean as he shares a word from the Lord. It's a word on what he reveals, that is, Jesus Christ, what he reveals to us, what he does, and how he does it. First, what he reveals. In John 14, Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes 
to the Father except through me. If you would have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That is, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me, Jesus says. Now, Philip, thinking about this, pondering on this, uh, responds in this way. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Oh, silly Philip. Jesus responds to him and says, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so it is when you look at that little child in the manger, and you consider the twinkle in his eyes, you see the Father. When you see him, you see the one who is in control of all things. You see the one who controls and sustains the universe with the word of his power. And you see in him the Father revealed. The people of God longed to see God. They longed to see the Father. They longed to see this one, Yahweh, this one who had, who had brought them out of captivity. They longed to see him. Oh, but they could not because of their sin. But in Jesus Christ, we see God. In Jesus Christ, we see the Father. So what he reveals to us is Father. It is through Jesus Christ that the Father comes to his people. Secondly, as he is everlasting Father, he is so in what he does. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his atoning sacrifice on behalf of sinners, that those sinners become the children of God. One of the greatest parts of the gospel message is the message that those who were enemies become sons and daughters of God. This is what we call adoption. Now, we understand what adoption is. We, we see adoption in our world. But do you understand that this adoption that we see, now that was funny, Logan, uh, but we see this adoption, we understand. We understand rightly that what a beautiful picture it is, but it is only there to point to the adoption that we have in Christ. It is the adoption that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ that is a wonderful thing. And it is a beautiful thing when a family takes in orphans and makes them their own. And it is that the Lord has ordained for us to see this as our own entrance into God's family. It happens because the one who is everlasting father says, behold, I and the children of God has given me. And so Paul writes in Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir through God. Adoption. So what is this one who, who is everlasting father? What is it that he does? He brings forth 
adoption. He takes those of us who are enemies and makes us sons. He takes those of us who are alienated from God, set apart from God because of our sin, and he takes upon himself our sin, and he who is the son becomes the enemy and dies the death that an enemy deserves to die on the cross so that we who put our faith in him would receive the benefits of belonging to God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We are not born into the family of God. We're not children of God because of our skin color or our heritage or our place in society. Instead, we understand that we are, because of sin, separated from him. And so it is by receiving the one who is everlasting father, by believing in the name of Jesus Christ, that one gains the right to become children of God. The everlasting father title given to Jesus Christ also shows us the character in which he comes, the way he does it. Imagine a father, a good father at that, who has children that are struggling, who has children that have many burdens, children that are concerned with many things, heavy hearts. How would a good father respond to those who are weary? How would a good father come to those who are hurt? Oh, perhaps you can close your eyes and imagine a father saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even in Isaiah 9, if you noticed in verse 4, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. His yoke is no yoke. He brings peace. He brings hope. He brings help. He brings rest. Even though it seems as if we've stayed home during this time, we are far from rested. Even though we have experienced times of isolation and maybe you've missed out on the hustle and bustle of the season, but yet in your heart, there is much hustle and bustle. And so you hear the one who is everlasting father say, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Do you hear the compassion and fatherly affection he has for his own? Or what about the fact that Jesus speaks of himself as the good shepherd? He knows his own, and he cares for his own, and he lays down his life, and what father wouldn't give his life for his children? He is everlasting father. We've all struggled this year. We've struggled with how to react to what's going on around us. Some of us perhaps have flourished. Some of us, like me, have not. We've struggled with how to deal with those dark times. 
We've questioned our political leaders. We've seen those we thought had great strength show vulnerability in ways we've least expected. We've experienced despair and sorrow. And the answer to these struggles is the same answer that was given in Isaiah's prophecy and the answer fulfilled with the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone brings hope and light and compassion and grace and help and salvation. Now, there are many things in our life and in our world that are temporary. Many of you perhaps put on this morning some biofreeze, and it provides a little bit of relief, doesn't it, from maybe an achy back or a shoulder that's hurting, but that relief goes away. We have medicine that we take that helps us for so long, but it doesn't prevent us from one day dying. So what hope is there? Our hope is in the one who is called everlasting father. The one who cares for us as a father cares for his children. And even though you perhaps didn't have a good father, he is a good father. And even though you may not have had someone who cared for you and loved you as he does, he still shows it. And he does it. And we know it because he gave his life. But then we also understand that though things in this world are temporary, He removes sin. And the devil, the enemy, and death for all time. So this Christmas, this year, this day, who are you going to trust in? Please look to the Lord Jesus Christ and find your hope. Let's pray. Father, we come to you with our own heavy hearts. We come to you with our own struggles, our own pain, our own shame, our guilt. We come to you with many burdens and sorrows and griefs. And we come to you because in your word, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to come him. And so we come, Father, to your Son, because not only is he one who has a plan, but he is also the one who has the power to change us to save us, to give us hope, to give us life, and to give us help. And so we come with expectancy 
We have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We have all hope. It's in his name we pray. And amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.